He's a retired federal law enforcement officer. He's been involved in law enforcement since, I hate to say it, 1969. He's here to talk about a special program to help children and why you might want to spread the word about public safety cadets. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. If you enjoy the Law Enforcement Today podcast, do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, if you got a few moments, leave an honest review and rating. But most importantly, tell a friend or two or three. Calling us from Virginia, the great state of Virginia, where I spent most of my childhood in the Norfolk Tidewater area. We have Kent Jeffries on the phone. Kent, thanks for being guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you having us. Kent, by the way, is a retired federal agent. I'll have him tell you because there's a lot of intricacies and he's retired twice and now he's heavily involved in a group called Public Safety Cadets. We'll talk about that in a moment. First of all, very quickly, your law enforcement career from start to finish. Essentially, uh, began with the Federal Bureau of Investigation as a uh, support employee at the age of 18 in 1974. Back then, they had a clerk-to-agent program, which was a pathway to becoming an agent after you attained your degree. But uh, kind of took a different path, path, became interested in the Secret Service, and when I graduated from college uh, and interviewed with the service, they said, well, son, you're a little too young. We don't take anybody right out of college. Why don't you go be a police officer somewhere? So I graduated from college on a Saturday and started with the Fairfax County Police on Monday, uh, served as a police officer uh, there for two years. Then I was appointed to the Secret Service Washington Field Office. Spent 21 years with the Secret Service uh, in both the protective and investigative uh, areas and uh, left there in 2000 uh, as a supervisor on the Presidential Protective Division at the White House. Uh, Accepted a position with the Treasury Department uh, Inspector General and at the, in that position, I was detailed to the FBI Domestic Terrorism Operations Unit at FBI headquarters. And I was there on uh, 9-11 and assigned as the Treasury representative to the FBI investigation at the SIOC, which is their investigative hub, the Strategic Information Operations Center. And during the following months, there was certainly uh, an effort to enhance aviation security. And uh, everyone, I think, is familiar with the uh, greatly ex- the great expansion of the uh, Federal Air Marshal Service. They were looking for uh, law enforcement executives uh, that could come over there and uh, you know get the ground running to help them out. So, in the summer of 2002, I accepted an appointment as a uh, assistant special agent in charge with the new uh, newly organized Federal Air Marshal Service, and then spent them the next 18 years there and uh, finally retired July of 2020 after 46 years. Well, thank you for your service. And you actually started your law enforcement career as what we call a police explorer back in the day, correct? 
Yeah, actually, yeah, as a youth, I was very interested in law enforcement. I came from a family uh, that had been uh, served in the military since the Revolutionary War, so this is a little a slight departure, but uh, still serving the country. I watched a lot of those cop shows back in the 60s, and they had a youth program with the Des Moines, Iowa Police Department, my hometown, and uh, joined that at the age of 14 in 1969, uh, served with that program through high school and a year of college uh, for five years and uh, received uh, a lot of law enforcement training and exposure and community service, and it just uh, set the hook as far as uh, my commitment to a a career in law enforcement. I'm glad you did what you did. And by the way, thank you for your service, Uh, starting with Fairfax all the way through the the federal agencies. By the way, Fairfax, Virginia, great law enforcement agency, great reputation. Uh, I said I grew up in Norfolk, Tidewater area. I retired from Baltimore. So they were well thought of back then and well thought of now. So it's a great agency. And a lot of people don't understand the transition from the federal agencies. Uh, We had a philosophy for FBI, Secret Service. You had to have a college degree. They wanted specialties, especially the FBI and police experience. With the ATF and DEA, it was easier to get on with police experience and any kind of degree. Am I correct in that assumption? Well, that's in practical application, yes. The FBI and Secret Service and other federal agencies, they get so many applicants that uh, they can set a college degree as a criteria to be competitive, but I don't believe it is actually required. Oh, really? Now, the FBI will say one of the different ways to get in is to have a law degree or an accounting degree or a um, specialty in a science or language. Uh, there's, there's different ways to get in, uh, but uh, these days, uh, I think you'll find that varied experience in a number of different things and especially in uh, computer technology information technology because that's where crime is going you know a saying is that for fbi they wanted law degree accounting well now it's computers and of course language skills that was a big thing and all of them are difficult they all have their unique challenges but none of them have a walk in the park as much as we like to joke and and mess around with each other you know between the, the city police and the feds we made fun of them. They made fun of us. It was all in good-natured fun, and we had her back. But they did not have an easy job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's working together, uh, especially, you know, a lot of people think Secret Service is just protection, uh, running around with 50-mile-an-hour uh, hairspray and sunglasses and looking pretty. But uh, that, that isn't the case. It was created in 1865 as a law enforcement agency uh, in the the Treasury Department. So its core uh, mission is to protect the financial institutions. And with that, you know, money is everywhere in the criminal world. So uh, while assigned to the Chicago field office, I worked on the south side of Chicago with the Chicago police, the uh, Illinois State Police, and uh, cases with the gangs, uh, the El Rukins, uh, Blackstone Rangers, Latin Kings, even had a uh, organized crime case with the Giancana crew. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, a lot of good street work and, uh, and uh, making an impact in the community uh, at the federal service and certainly in the Secret Service that people just don't think about. They did things that were a little highbrow, a little bit above what I was used to, a lot of counterfeiting, forged documents, or forged uh, bearer bonds, things of that nature. But counterfeiting of money was a big thing for them. And if I am correct, I'm probably not in my old age, Kent, they had something to do with also investigating and many agencies do, investigating child pornography and uh, computer distribution of that stuff. 
uh, not primarily, but certainly uh, if there's a financial aspect and what we would call an access device. And an access device, uh, when you uh, use that improperly, that's that's any implementation that, that allows you to obtain access to something of value, such as an account uh, in a bank. So password, social security number, account number, if you manipulate that, and there's a number of uh, financial institution fraud laws that the Secret Service has um, addition or concurrent jurisdiction with other federal agencies. I had a very interesting case one time that uh, was given to me uh, by the U.S. Attorney's Office to take a look at, and uh, essentially a, a financial um, uh, trader, an investor, an investor at a, a bank, was manipulating contract progress payments on a uh, defense contract with a foreign country, and as the uh, company delivered on this uh, foreign or this uh, weapons platform, they would make $2 million incremental payments uh, via wire transfer into a bank on the East Coast, where it sat there for 24 hours, uh, no particular reason why, and then was moved on to their home bank. And uh, at the time, that uh, the young gentleman that uh, was uh, receiving that, that uh, payment and just supposed to move it along uh, he invested in treasury bonds for a few moments and then bought, sold, put it back in, and basically took the commission. And the bank made a little money, he made a little money. Uh, the company, I guess, made some money. Uh, well, and then it moved on. But nobody could really figure out the theory of fraud. But essentially, it was a simple uh, 1029 violation of uh, illegal uh access device. He utilized that corporation's account number to manipulate the money without their consent. And uh, he did it over a period of months, uh, manipulating $56 million. And it was so interesting that the Security and Exchange Commission that we brought into the case later on changed uh, banking regulations because of this case. And that was a Secret Service case. And that's precisely the reason why I would be horrible at what you did, because I just don't have the patience for all that. And by the way, I have a hard enough time balancing a checkbook. I know a lot of people don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Remember when that was yeah, a big well. deal? So, I appreciate all you did. And you, after retiring, you got back in the federal law enforcement arena, and you're heavily involved with the air marshals program, which helps keep everybody safe on airlines uh, after 9-11. That became a big deal. And after retiring, 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 did I get all of them in there? You're still kind of in a law enforcement field because you're working in public safety cadets. What is a public safety cadets program? Well, essentially, uh, a number of us that are active and retired in law enforcement in the uh, business community, uh, you know, we feel it's very important to uh, help uh, mentor young adults interested in the public safety field, you know, law enforcement, fire rescue, emergency services, uh, and help them see that uh, that may be a viable uh, career option for them. And the program is geared towards young adults, uh, ages 14 to 20, uh, mainly uh, after they've completed the eighth grade and they're getting into high school. It gives them a workplace-based uh, environment to observe, to actually receive training, and work, and you know, volunteer uh, in law enforcement and fire rescue area. So, it, and at the very minimum, it's uh, giving uh, or creating an environment for a conversation between cops and kids. 
So if they don't end up uh, developing an interest or pursuit in law enforcement or fire rescue, uh, they've certainly got a better appreciation of the challenges uh, that uh, the folks face in that career. And the truth is, the vast majority of people I know that work in law enforcement, firefighting, EMTs, first responder field are some of the best of the best. And it's going to have a positive influence on the kids. It's much better than being out in a street gang. Oh, absolutely. It had such a, an impact uh, on me from the ages of 14 to, to 18 that, you know, I, I went on and spent, you know, 46 years doing this. And, but at the whole time, whenever I could, I gave back to uh, the youth program. And uh, that's what we've tried to do here. But uh, we created Public Safety Cadets uh, in 2018. It's a 501c3 recognized by the IRS as a nonprofit uh, with our emphasis in youth education. We partner with law enforcement uh, agencies across the country to help provide them with uh, education programs, curriculum, uh, events where uh, the young people can come together and uh, meet each other and uh, actually demonstrate their uh, skills in law enforcement response scenarios. Yearly, uh, we have these uh, events and uh, they gather from all over the country to to, uh, participate in competitions and uh, say uh, burglary in progress, crisis intervention, uh, officer rescue, physical agility. Uh, They go into these scenarios just given basically, hey, there was a 911 call and uh, it hung up. So go to the door and try to find out what happened. And there's role players and the cadets based on their basic training will go in and interact. They're judged and critiqued and uh, they learn. And they learn in a in a sterile environment, uh, and they develop over time. So, uh, and, and besides classroom training and observing and ride-alongs and uh, around the police uh, or sheriff's department or the fire department, working on the equipment, uh, learning how to handle it safely, learning skills like self-defense and uh, the other uh, responses to resistance, uh, where you know deadly force is uh, shouldn't be uh, an option or maybe isn't an option. You have to do other things. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Kent Jeffries, a retired federal agent, and he's also one of the head honchos of Public Safety Cadets. Get more information at their website, publicsafetycadets.org. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com. Click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, Go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Current conversation with Kent Jeffries from publicsafetycadets.org. That's publicsafetycadets.org. He said, Kent, it's a 501c3 registered charity. It basically helps kids, bonds them with law enforcement, other first responders. They can learn skill sets. They can learn all kinds of mindset issues, 
get on the right path in life, and some of them turn out to become law enforcement officers later on in life. Is that correct? That's true. The former, uh, a former director of the Secret Service came up through a youth program just like this. It's a great thing. And back in the day, back in my day, it makes me sound like I'm ancient. Back when we used to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, I think they're called police explorers. And public safety cadets is a different organization than police explorers. Am I correct? Yes, we're a totally separate organization. The, the pluses and the minuses, without bashing another one, I think you've taken things that you've learned that were positive from the police explorers and applied it and expanded the program of public safety cadets. Am I correct? Exactly. Uh, our, we have, because of today's environment and the uh, crisis of uh, police recruiting and retention, uh, we have a focus on uh, helping our partner agencies uh, create a recruiting pipeline. And uh, we want to keep them involved after their high school experience uh, with uh, education, physical fitness, staying out of trouble, and working, uh, continuing to work and volunteer in their agencies. And to that extent, we're working with the Law and Public Safety Education Network, another nonprofit that is uh, tied in with a number of state boards of education to standardize a criminal justice curriculum uh, within public safety cadets or law enforcement exploring the criminal justice uh, programs in the high schools and the colleges so that uh, the cadets receive this uh, curriculum and uh, demonstrate their proficiency. Uh, They uh, are eligible to get uh, academic credit. And taking that a step further, Fairfax County, once again, they were our very first partner, uh, always very progressive, uh, looking, you know, over the the hill. But uh, they've taken this to the the next step. And I was just talking to uh, the new chief, uh, Kevin Davis, yesterday at a meeting with Northern Virginia Chiefs. But, you know, he reiterated that... uh, you know, he's just got there. He's a new chief. He's assessing what he's got. And uh, they are putting cadets at the top of the application stack. They're basically a non-compete uh, for sworn positions wherein they meet all of the other criteria of background investigation, medical screening, testing, and that type of thing. And not only do they go to the top of the stack for having been in the program, uh, they're going to start at uh, the next uh, step higher. So uh, that's that's looking, you know, that's out of the box. And I think that uh, they're going to be leaders uh, down the road as uh, we continue to help create this pathway for young adults. That's a win-win for the kids. It's a win-win for the community. It's a win for the agencies that are doing this. And I'll be honest with you, Ken, I'm a, I'm a parent. I have two daughters. They're, they're adults now. They're in their early 30s. I can't think of a reason why I wouldn't want my 14, 15-year-old to get involved with public safety cadets program that you offer. You you mentioned three things. Stay out of trouble. It teaches them how to to develop a mindset where they're not going to be pushed into bad decision-making. They can hang out with first responders and law enforcement and learn skills and possibly develop a new career path for them later in life. Uh, That's three wins in a row right there. Well, and the other aspect is we understand the budgetary environment that are facing all of these communities, uh, you know, competing uh, challenges for the funds that are available. So we try to uh, relieve that challenge uh, by keeping the cost partner and uh, operator program in their agencies as low as possible. And with that, we provide general liability insurance for the members and supplemental medical insurance, at, and it's only $15 per person. And, uh, you know, 
uh, these chiefs and sheriffs, they're, they're looking to, uh, you know, uh, get as much bang for the buck as they can uh, for community outreach and training and recruiting. And hopefully we're, uh, we're helping to do that. Is this a national program throughout the United States? Yes, it is. And uh, we're, uh, we've partnered with over 170 units or agencies in 39 states uh, in the just the short two years that we've had. And certainly one of those years was COVID. Uh, just today, the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration uh, New Jersey Division uh, submitted their memorandum of understanding to partner with us. So uh, we've also been contacted by about 40 other agencies that have told us they intend to uh, partner with us as soon as school starts and they have uh, the ability to recruit cadets. So we're looking for some major expansion in September. I would imagine uh, when people hear this episode, they might be thinking, hey, I want this to, to be available in Canada or United Kingdom. Is that something that's on horizon for you all? We've, we've actually had outreach to uh, Canada and England. So in Canada, they have, uh, the Royal Canadian Mount Police have what they call the Spurs which is a similar uh, youth, you know, teenage youth uh, organization. And in England, they have the uh, volunteer cadets. So uh, that's one of the things where uh, we uh, will invite them to our National Leadership Academy next summer. And uh, certainly uh, would love to uh, interact with them and uh, share their view of uh, policing and the challenges that uh, we both share. I have a funny feeling if, if, like, representatives of the Guardian in Ireland or in Germany or France contacted you, you would not be closed-minded about discussing the possibility of expanding over there as well. Uh, I don't know how that works. I mean, I, I, we've got all we can do right here. So I, I want to keep my focus uh, right here domestically. Um, I know we have, uh, we're collaborating with a retired uh, NYPD detective who uh, is trying to get something going in the Caribbean uh uh, countries well, with the youth there. So we're collaborating and sharing uh, business practices and uh, policies and things that we think will will make it successful. But as far as uh, having any kind of uh, uh, formal relationship, uh, I don't. I think that's uh, way beyond my skis. That's a little bit down the road for you. Well, if you're a 501c3, one of the issues has to be and I know you probably get grants and some funding, but every nonprofit I've ever talked to, Kent, says that fundraising is the other F word for them. It's always an issue, and it's nothing that anybody in law enforcement is comfortable doing, because we were always trained, you never take money, you don't ask for money. You don't. So all that's gotta go contrary to what you were raised in in the past 46 years. Is fundraising an issue for you? Well, like you say, uh, coming from my background, making that kind of ask is just uh, drying my tongue. Uh, I don't. I, I, I'm obviously very passionate about talking about uh, the program and helping the youth and uh, providing them with uh, dynamic experiences to make it enjoyable but educational. But yeah, putting getting that hand out there—that's uh, not something that uh, I'm good at. But I will tell you, I'm. I'm very proud to have as a vice president of Public Safety Cadets a businessman that uh, understands uh, capabilities and, and contacts, and he's helping out tremendously to uh, open doors and create opportunities for us to uh, share what we're trying to do with people in the private sector. And, and I, I will tell you, there's a, a number of corporations that have been uh, very responsive uh, helping us out so far. So. It's, uh, yeah, it, everybody's asking for something, but uh, I think that uh, 
our uh, our program is uh, very vital, and uh, we think you know now more than ever it's important to uh, support public safety cadets for what we're trying to do uh, based on the challenge base uh, in recruiting. I can tell just by listening that this is a subject you're not comfortable with, and I'm not comfortable when it comes to talking about money. That's my law enforcement background coming to the surface. So there's room for companies and corporations to help out. And I know one of your partners, to some degree or another, is ASP-USA.com. Tell us about how they're helping and your unique relationship. Oh, sure. Uh, Kevin Parsons, uh, the CEO there at Armament Systems and Procedures, and his entire staff have been behind us 110%. In fact, it was really, uh, it was Kevin's idea to start Public Safety Cadets. He actually invited all of us who had come from law enforcement exploring backgrounds to a meeting uh, at a hotel in Chicago in the dreary, uh, side-blowing month of March, when we locked ourselves in a... um, in a, in a room there with a grease board said, okay, if we we're going to do something like this, what it would look like? And uh, he led the way and continues to uh, inspire. And uh, he also uh, has um, a portion of uh, the sales on his website that uh, folks can make a click and it comes to public safety cadets. He's made his training staff available at no cost to uh, cadets when we have national uh, events and provide self-defense training at no cost. And uh, it's just phenomenal uh, what his people uh, are helping us with. Uh, graphics and uh, all types of things where, you know, it's just not in my wheelhouse. They've really stepped up the plate. That's Armament Systems and Procedures. Their website is asp-usa.com. That's asp-usa.com. Trust by over 4 million police and military professionals in more than 100 countries and doing a whole lot of great stuff to help you with the Public Safety Cadets program. Again, your website where people get more information about what you offer and how they can help. Contact us at www.publicsafetycadets.org and take a look. We're, we're, we're proud of what we're doing, and we've got a lot of room to grow, so we need a lot of help. We appreciate any support and suggestions. And by the way, if you if you can't remember that, you can always contact me here at Law Enforcement Today, and I will send the information on to Kent. Kent Jeffries, thanks so much for your service. Thanks for all you do with Public Safety Cadets, and really thanks for spending part of your day with us here on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Well, Jay, we can't thank you enough for the opportunity and for your service and what you are doing with your uh, outreach and podcast and radio show and uh, giving a voice and a perspective to uh, what's going on in law enforcement and uh, our country today. Thank you, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Leave an honest review and or rating. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.